Ladies and germs, my guest today, one of the most talented people in our business, Mr. Jonathan Kite. What's up, dude? Dude. Great to see you, always. I got some questions for you. Let's go. I like these mics, though. I like. They sound good? They sound really good. Way better. You were just on my podcast, mm-hmm. and these sound way better. You think so? I think so. I think I might start having to do my podcast out of here. <laughs> so, dude, I got questions for you, so I'm just going to start simple. So, wh- you're 43 years old. Yeah. I can edit that if you want. How, when did you start? Face tune 43. Yeah. Um, I started, I came out here almost uh, 20 years ago. At 23. Yeah. And uh, you seem like a guy that came out of college. Right out of college. You went to college. Yeah. Well, I got a job at the Cheesecake Factory. I'm from Illinois. And um, Chi Town? Sh- uh, right outside Skokie, Illinois. Okay, Skokie. Barbershop Quartet, the usual suspects. Okay. The Nazis marched there for the history buffs. Okay. And um, I had, there's a, there was a rumor from a lot of guys that I knew that had moved out and girls. And they were like, I, they couldn't get jobs when they were here, like serving jobs because it was just so competitive. So I took about eight months off b- in between college and coming out here, and I worked at Cheesecake Factory so that I could transfer. Yeah, because that's a big move. Dude, it was huge. And I drove across the country with my two buddies and, you know, like an indie film. And uh, Where did you go to college? A Northwestern? No, my father worked there, and it would have been free if I had gone there, but I wanted like a college experience, you know, like I wanted, um, like small town America. I really liked that. I went to the university of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana in the middle, like, you know, in the middle of the state. Okay. Did, so did you know you were going to do this when you were in college? I went, yeah, you, when I was in high school, they had, um, the, like a theater fest for the state. And they would have all these colleges come in from all over the country, and you were in like this giant arena, like gladiator style, and you mm-hmm. had a two minute monologue to do, and then afterwards, like like tryouts for the high school play, you'd go to this huge room, and they would have lists up of everyone they wanted to meet, and so you'd go around the booths, being like hoping you were picked for the university, and that was essentially your audition into college. So you got picked, but you still had to pay, or did you get a scholarship? I. Because my dad worked in Northwestern, we got a, a discount, mm-hmm. a little bit of a Groupon, a university Groupon, and um, so I, I don't remember tuition. Like, I heard what tuition costs now, and I was like, there's no way it cost that when I was growing up. So we got some sort of whatever, but, um, and then, uh, yeah, I just went down there right away and lived there for four years. It was awesome. So you did college. Yeah. Came out, and you said, I'm coming to L.A. I always, I always wanted to do this. I mean, since you were like young, yes. When I figured out, I think when I was like five or six, that people could make money doing the stuff that we were watching at five or six. Wow. Yeah, because my father used to. Your father's a musician. No, but he looks like one. Singer. Uh, no. I thought he was. No, he 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 looks like um, he looks like a roadie that is a seasonal Hanukkah Harry. (laughs) <laughs> he does. You know? I only saw very brief pictures on your gram, but I'm yeah. like, he comes from an artistic yeah. family. But he well, he comes from Middle Earth. <laughs> he does kind of look yeah. Gandalfian. He, he comes from Mount Olympus. 
died. <laughs> yeah. No, he's always. I, I've never seen his chin in my life. Was he, was he in Son of the Mask with me? Yes. Is he? Is he Loki's father? Bro, he, yeah, he's, he's Odin? the father. He's Odin. <laughs> well, his name is David, and so I would say technically the my one, Jonathan Davidson. Oh. Yeah, I'm no, I'm Norse, but not on his side of the family on my mom's side. <laughs> but um, yeah, but he looks more Viking than any of us. He, yeah, from what I remember, he definitely had a yeah a Viking vibe. Oh, and he's uh, yeah, he and he's always had that look. He like picked a look very early on, and he stuck with it. It works, bro. I, I've never seen. Oh, I, I, I should correct that. I've never seen his upper lip. He's had a mustache <laughs> my entire life, like a like a Yosemite Sam. Hey, it works. It looks. He looks great. If it's working. Keep working it. Wait, at, the pro, at the Northwestern, is it just a normal job? He ran the motor pool, which so he was responsible for all the vehicles on campus. Oh. So he, he, he was a mechanic for many, many years. Okay. And then the guy above him retired, so he got promoted, and I think he hated it um, because I think he just liked working in an auto body shop. That was his thing, and I know absolutely nothing. I can change a tire, which I, yeah. you know, but not like his knowledge of cars is unbelievable. I'm a hirer. Like, get somebody to do that. It's hard for me. For cars, I'm like, if we get, a, we need them to get around here. It's and and there's nowhere to for in, in my neighborhood, your neighborhood. There's nowhere for me to like work on a car. Mm-mm. No, no. If so, you can do car stuff and do what you do, that's pretty impressive. That you can. If you're a gearhead, I'm not a gearhead. I'm not a gearhead at all. Okay, but your yeah. dad's a gearhead. My dad is a huge gearhead. Everything, like when I was a kid, I was in Cub Scouts, and then he helped me with the Pinewood Derby cars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got, got to state. and um, Damn. Yeah, the last year, dude, I got the, but, you know, it. I'm not bitter, and now here's a story about me not being bitter. You could tell those, there were like kids that were in state, though, that got to that level that were like, that, that you you could tell didn't do anything with their cars. Like, their dads built everything. Uh, like, that famous, you know, I think that's like a Simpsons episode or a Family Guy episode or something. And it's, I mean, these guys were like, they had shops. They had, yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. Ringers. <laughs> Wait, so pull, the, ringers. pull that down a teeny bit so we see your grill, but I think we can, right? I want to get close to you, but you can see yeah. your grill. Okay. And I have a pretty loud voice. So, dude, you came, I never saw you... On the circuit until a few years ago, did you just start doing comedy or did you do comedy your whole career? I always wanted to do stand-up. I did it a couple times, like when I was younger, but um, it's, I mean, it's hard and it's, it, it takes a lot of work and dedication and I wanted, I respect stand-up so much that I wanted to give it that time and mm-hmm. that dedication. And so I, I got uh, a TV show, was lucky enough to do that. And yeah. then, um, Let me get into that. We couldn't take a, we couldn't take a job. When you, you know, because they sort of like have you. They're like, okay, you got to come yeah. back, which is so cool and it's very rare. And so I was like, what can I do this summer? And I was sitting at the improv with two um, comedy buddies because I would always go to stand up shows all the time. Even really? Though I was performing all the time. And I really loved it growing up. And then two of my buddies were like, you should just try to do it. And I had time off. This is probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I just started working my butt off. And then my, that summer, I did it every day. I would try to go up as many mics as I possibly but you, could. But you could do stand-up on your TV schedule. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, But you couldn't leave this because you had the sitcom. Yeah, and they with movies, you know, they always they could get pushed. Yeah. And so it's like I couldn't sign on to things because people knew that I had a hard out in early August where I had to go back to work. And so to get a movie in that time slot, I mean. You know, I know. It's a good problem but a bad problem. 
But stand up, it allowed it for me to you know get in this game. So when you before you got two broke girls is the show we're talking about. You didn't do stand up. I I tried it a couple times. Um, Because that show came on twenty twelve eleven twenty eleven yeah, and then it ran for six seasons yeah twenty seventeen yes, and you were on from the beginning, day one, and you were a regular yeah. There were five of us. That were the regulars, and then Jennifer Coolidge was added as a sixth, like midway through the first season. But it started off as just five of us. Wow, it was crazy. And you played a character. Yeah. The, the, so the part was originally written for a mid fifties, I think, Russian chef in a, in the diner. It took place in a diner, and um, my friend uh, was casting it, and she was like, "Come on in, you'll." You know, you won't. You're not right for the part because there was the other males in the show was the Asian guy that owned it and a black guy, uh-huh. um, uh, who who's like ran the cash register and the only white guy was this guy. But he's got to be a 50 year old Russian guy. So I went and I like, you know, dressed up what I thought he would look like just to sort of put myself in the vibe. And I did the accent and I grew my hair out and my beard out and everything. And um, it essentially, was cool. you channeled your father. Yeah, I said, I said, Dad, will you come and do this? <laughs> and then when you book the job, I'll come dress like you. So you go in not thinking you're going to get the job at all. Why was she having no. you come in for? Because she wanted me to meet the producers for like future for spot. future episodes, which is so nice, which is cool. It was really nice, and yeah. and it was a really cool opportunity. And I'd never met Whitney uh, and Michael Patrick King, mm-hmm. Sex in the City, and. Um, so that was so fun, and they were they just were nice, and they were really funny. And so you went in, you auditioned. Yeah. Whitney in the room, or was that not your first audition, or did you go deep in the first audition? So the the funniest thing was, um, I don't know how much your audience knows about it, but like, but a, but a TV show, especially on a network, but now I guess some streaming, it takes forever. Yeah, you think that it's like, you know. You have to have multiple auditions, and every time you go, you pass a level in the video game, there's, like, a new boss you have to beat. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, one that you don't have, the, you know, and so it, they it Donkey Kong. Exactly. And it, you have to be the same, but better. Yeah. It's, like... It's, so true. It's weird. You and start it, with barrels, you feel good, then you hit the fireballs, and then everything goes faster. Yeah. And, and you... But the thing is, if you change it too much, they go, well, what was that? What did you do? Because they, they're guiding you. By the way... And Whitney and Michael, they were so instrumental and so helpful and just being, like, um, anything we had a question of or, like, they changed lines and stuff, and they were were very good about directing us, even in the auditions, before we met with, like, the network and the uh, the production company, whatever, and... um, it's just a lot, and it was it was kind of a crazy process because when I first went in there, I was going in for another job, and they had kept, they were looking at all of these people in Hollywood, like John Lovitz auditioned. He'd be perfect too. Yeah, uh, yeah. As I've never heard him do a Russian accent. But no, no. I mean, not saying you didn't. You no, did the job no. obviously great, but it, on the call sheet, what they were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 then the next round, we got. So I auditioned once. The cast director was like, "Can you do this?" I did it. She's like. Great. She's like, read the script, come back. Then it was Whitney, Michael, and um, and then I think the casting associate and the casting director, and they were very like it was a so fun and just like a cool audition. And then I never heard anything. And I remember telling my manager at the time, I was like, that was just cool to meet them because hopefully, like I read that pilot. I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever read. I, I, I laughed out loud alone, which mm-hmm. you get pilot scripts all the time. There's such like a, th- a rough draft of what the show is going to be like. Like, go back and watch the pilot of Seinfeld. 
You can't even, you can't finish a pilot, let alone you're not laughing out loud. No, it's just like get it to where it needs to be because it's a dialogue with an audience at home and you, the pilot exists without a cast yet. Yeah. To fill those, the blood and the flesh. So we, I get there, then, then like a month later, they're like, oh, you're, you're going to, um, to the, uh, to producers, to, um, whatever that's called, to studio. And it was, it was at Warner Brothers. Step. It was yep. huge, and there was Peter Roth Point was there. Peter, yep. Dude, he's the nicest. And the room was just full. And Whitney, she's so great. She just comes up to me and she just whispers in my ear. She goes, "Don't ever talk um, in an English or an American accent." She's like, "Don't just always be Russian, and just don't you know just." And it was that was a level up. You know what I mean? One of the things I want to keep listening to you, but one of the things I think why it was so successful for you. And how you were blessed with this is because Whitney was there. Because she's an artist. Oh, she's so smart? So she's going to, she's championing you. Now, usually we have to deal with just suits. Oh. You know, and Michael's amazing, too. But, you know, Whitney also does comedy. So it's like, I don't, does Michael do comedy? No, he does um, he, he actually used to do a, a two-person team. Yeah, I think he was an actor and yeah. stuff. So it, you, having creative people that are performers, yeah. she's guiding you through. It's amazing. And Whitney... We're almost the same age. Like, she's gone through that process herself. Yeah, big time. And she, she's providing what it felt like, maybe not even what she had been lacking, but I think maybe what worked for her. And she's like, oh, this will work for other performers. Um, and then she, I remember they, they changed it. They, you know, she said, do this. So mm -hmm. I went in the room and I did the accent or whatever. And it was, it was awesome. Like, everybody in there was so nice. And because you hear about rumors that you go into these rooms and people just sort of like stone face towards you. And I've had that. Yeah, You've had that. You've had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but this was, but but this was like my first major pilot audition, mm -hmm. and, and they, I didn't experience that. So I, I thought, oh, well, I won't get it because I met the other guys that were there, and there were these much older guys, amazing actors. Like one guy was on Twenty Four Forever, the other guy was in the Mission Impossible movie, and um, they were great, and we became very friendly. And it was not competitive because we looked at each other and we were like, well. It's if if you get it, it's not because of me. You know what I mean? Like we weren't in competition. It's just we were three very different types. Yeah. And so. So th okay. So th okay. So these are the guys you're going against. Mm hmm. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I could. Okay, that's okay. A keep bulldog going. who is the size of a bobblehead doll, who is just like this real sort of Vinnie Jones, like this British guy. Completely different. Shaved head. So that makes you yoked. feel better because it's just a one of three different ways. And then the other guy was this guy, Yuri, awesome dude. Wound up doing a guest spot on the show playing my cousin. Mm -hmm. Bigger dude, bigger than me. He's probably like 6'5", maybe. And um, not not doughy, like a big guy, but just sort of like a guy in a in a, a Russian guy in a tracksuit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Essentially Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Audition for the part is what I'm trying to get at. It's facts. And then... um. And they were, and so we were very chill. And then I was like, a month sort of went by, and I was like, and it was at the end. Damn, that's a long time for a pilot season. It was a month. Well, Whitney was also working on Whitney at the same yeah, time. Yeah, but it's like audition, and then at three o'clock, at five o'clock, you're going to test her. It's, I mean, so then, and then I got called in to play to do it for um, the CBS. But the problem was Les Moonves, who ran CBS at the time, he wasn't there. You're and, going to network. Yeah, and that was crazy because you're in this tiny little room, like somebody's home theater, but it's at this, it's at CBS. It's insane. And it's all suits. It's insane. And I went up first. Ooh. And so there's only two people for each part. Now, now hold on. When you go up first for network, which is crazy because Les is running Viacom. He's running a $100 billion conglomerate. but And they all do it. He literally sits in the final auditions for every actor. 
But he wasn't there for this one. Which is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy that they do it, but it's also crazy that he wasn't there. So you do this, and going first, do you what do, what is the thing you've heard about going first in the network? And I'll tell you what I've heard. I'll see if we're in the same So page. I like to go first because I think that there is a little bit more forgiveness. Like if you're on a roll, like let's say you go third, it's not like stand-up, right? I feel like because you get to set your own pace, like if you're great, this is just my own personal opinion, you are great um, as an island where they have nothing to compare you to personally, whereas like sometimes if, if they're, because you don't, they don't need to choose people from these groups. They could like say none of them worked and then they could bring back all new people, yeah. but at least you got your shot to be great in the, it, I think in as unaffected a way as possible. That's my personal opinion. So, but what have you heard about networks and producers when the order in which people go? Have you ever heard anything about that? I think people like to go last because they, they, I've heard because you're the last thing in their minds. I, yeah, I always heard that if you go first, that's what I'm trying to say is that's usually not the choice. So the fact that you went first and got it is huge yeah. because I think one out of two, we really like this guy, but here's our chick, yeah. our pick. Oh, totally. And if you do, but I think if you're so good. That's incredible. That's what I'm saying. You went to network first and yeah, got it. I remember, and they didn't tell us till we got there. And of course, we're all like, we're all like nervous little, you know, cockroaches. We're just sort of like going over our lines and stuff. Cause you're thinking, you know, not even if you're thinking about it, but your mind is like, well, you, this is level up. This is the last level. So, like, what can I do? And, and me thinking how well the last one went, that was the thing that I was, that I was sort of like, competing with my mind because I was so lucky that every time I auditioned it it did get better mm -hmm. and, and by the way not even it was Whitney's note or it was what the first time I met Whitney and Michael we had so much fun banter that I feel like and Michael told me later he's like I didn't even care about your audition he's like I could just tell talking to you he's like you said a joke and he goes that was the in my mind you were the part so mm. like so things had gone well for all these other reasons so I go to the test right and everybody's in suits it's like the most powerful people it's like the it's like everyone's that you know Wizard of Oz so you can't really see them, but you feel their presence in that room, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not packed. There's only like eight people in that room. And then Michael and Whitney and then the casting director. You're at Radford. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then we go there, and I remember I got like middling laughs. But I remember thinking I didn't push, and it was, I remember thinking like that was enough. If I didn't get it, I could walk away, and I had no regrets, which I think is very like that's not a usual thing for me because I'm, I'm like, I should have done like this. But that day I was just like, and then I remember like it was such a release and a relief like off my shoulders and everybody else had to go because they every time you leave, they deliberate now. So everyone's like talking and then, then 10 minutes later they call in the next guy or the next girl or whatever. And that was, that was pretty crazy to wait like because it was like two hours and I had gone first. So you had to wait two hours there? Yeah, you were just sort of waiting for everyone yeah. to go through. And so you did that. Then what happened at the end? And then at the end, I found out that they cast everybody but my part. Oh, and it's a Friday? Bro. Oh, you definitely, did you find out before the weekend? No way. No. So oh. crazy story. So there was a guy who always believed in me when I first moved to LA. Wow. And um, I thought he had died because I hadn't heard from him. He was actually really sick and I had texted him a bunch and he had never, and out of the blue, he hit me up. And he was like, hey man, um, do you want to go grab lunch? 
And this guy, John, incredible dude, just like a really um, positive influence in my life when I moved to L.A. And we go to get lunch, and he's like, what's going on in your life right now? Have you, like, you, you, what are you doing? And I go, oh, you know, I tested for the show, and I got in a phone call earlier that day that Les Moonves um, is going to do one of two things today. He's either going to give you the thumbs up after watching your tape, the tape of my test, or they were going to scrap me. And then just start all over again and try to, because they didn't, for whatever reason, and I'm sure, you know, had nothing to do with them, but they were like the other two guys, they didn't, they just didn't fit the part is what, what Les or somebody had said. So it was either me or they were going to start over. And they said, if you're, if you're, if your agent calls, you didn't get it. But if casting calls you, you got it. So just have your phone on you. If your agent calls who? Me. To you be didn't like, get it. You didn't get it, but If casting calls... Me. You're they like, would call you? Yeah, because I knew the cast director. We'd become very oh. friendly over the years. So I'm literally sitting at lunch, and I'm waiting, wow. and I'm, like, catching up crazy. with this guy. This is Bro, an angel. It was insane. And so wow. it was, like, the middle of the day. I'm eating lunch at this, like, dive bar in the valley with my buddy that we'd gone to and gotten hammered at, like, a hundred times. But like this was years ago and we're eating and we're eating and it's like, you know, people are playing pool. It's kind of a weird like Moe's Tavern. Kind what of bar? Oh, um, it's uh, Springbok. I don't know it, it's awesome. It's a South African rugby bar in Van Nuys. It's awesome. It's a fucking great bar. Springbok is a fucking type of meat. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And they live in South Africa. Yeah. And um, so I get a call. It's my agent. <gasps> and I go, I go. Oh, damn. So I go, hey, John, can I, I got to take this. I, I'm really sorry, buddy. You know, I go outside and he goes, hey, man, it's Chip. He was my agent at the time. And I go, what's up, dude? And then Julie, who's a cash director, was like, I'm on here, too. And Ooh. I was like, and I remember, like, my life, like, the world stopped. I was, I, remember, I will never forget this. And I just, like, looked up to the heavens. And I was just like, exhale. And then she's like. You got it. You're in the show. And I will never forget that feeling. Like, that was one of the greatest moments of my life. Oh, it, it had to be. It was, it was, it was unreal. Because we, it had been, not dragged out, but, you know, I, because I got the show when I was like 31, and so it was like, I hadn't really been through that process before, because for commercials or like the television that I'd done or movies that I'd done before, they were on a schedule, but pilots, you know, there, there's like, it's kind of a weird way to put up all that money for something that may or may not work, you know? Because we didn't even we weren't even picked up then. This was just to shoot the pilot, mm -hmm. but it was exciting because like Whitney was such like you know having like this unbelievable. It was like the beginning of her you know incredible career mm -hmm. to the public, and then like Michael was crushing it coming off of the the um, the comeback or whatever Lisa Kudrow, and so that was just I remember like hanging up the phone and I called my mom and I was just like I got the pilot. It's a beautiful feeling, right? Oh, dude, it was... What's crazy is is that all of that, and that easily could have just went to just a test a test pilot, which is a mini-er version of a pilot, Then, or it could just be a pilot, and then the pilot could then be reshot. Bro, or you could, or it could, be, you could be replaced. You could be replaced, or then you get this, you go to series and they pick up Ten, oh. and then or and then they and then you don't look out again, or they air five and you're done. I mean, the fact that there's you know there's twenty three steps Bro. after that. So the fact that you had to do all that, you, it was an incredible feeling, and your payoff was incredible. 
but the fact that you had all of that and that just to get the pilot because you didn't know it was going to go past that. Bro, I didn't even know it was going to get picked up. We were the last Wild. pilot that got shot for this season because Whitney had already, everybody had all this other stuff, but the schedule has already said they wanted James Burroughs, who directed Taxi, Which is the Cheers. Name. Yeah. And so they waited till the last minute. We shot the pilot, by the way. It went unreal except for this one part that the audience just didn't get. And so Whitney and Kat Dennings, our star, one of our two stars, stayed with this incredible actress and they rewrote to like three in the morning the night they let the audience go home wow and they rewrote this scene until it worked wow and then i never even got a call that it got picked up my downstairs neighbor who was in acquisitions and film and television i'm driving home from santa monica the, all the lists are coming out we're not on any of them and i go damn and i remember telling cat i was like I think, like, I'm a pretty good judge of what might be successful. Not necessarily funny or not funny, but, like, I think this will connect with a lot of people. And I do think we were really funny. And I go, if this doesn't go, I'm like, what the fuck? And that that's a famous, I think, not famous, I mean, a common way to believe that, like, what you're doing. Because, we, I mean, I've been part of stuff where I'm like, this ain't going to go. This fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. But this one was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we never got a call. And then my downstairs neighbor called me. And he was like, dude, congrats, man. And I was like, and then I was at a stoplight and I pulled up the internet on my phone and I was like, oh my God, my agent never called me. Was it a variety alert or something? It was like this, yes. It was like deadline? It was in deadline. I still never got a call. I never got a call from my agent. <laughs> Are you still waiting for the call? I, bro, my agent, who I haven't been with in 25 years, no, no, still never called wow. me. Never called me to say, like, what's up? Yeah. I think Wait, they called my not, manager. You're not with them anymore? No. You want to name the agent? No. Uh, no. Was it a big agency? No. I left them before the pilot. Idiot! Well, we had a, we had, like, a lot of, um, there was, like, a lot of, uh, yeah. You agree that agents don't do anything? I think that agents, well, (laughs) I think that if you have the right agent, like Jack Nicholson's famous agent. Yeah. But you have to have somebody. One in fucking. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Five generations, bro. the hardest thing is that. Sandy. Sandy, that's right. Sandy had three people. You know what I mean? Jack was one of them. Yeah. No, you're right. But I think for me, I like the agency that I'm with, but I have such a close connection with my manager. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he and I, he's like my day-to-day guy. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if I have one person, but I have, I also have a voiceover agent that I've had who I think is like one of the smartest people I've ever met. She's unreal. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I love having her in my life. Mm-hmm. But, but, um... I've had, I mean, I'm sure like most people, I've had a lot of bad agents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. Here comes their 1982 radio DJ. Welcome back to the bad. It's Sam Elliott. <laughs> Welcome back to Bad Agents Podcast, where we have callers call in about their worst experiences. <laughs> I'll go first. I, I love hearing about what this, I want to get into that, but. Hold on. So it's crazy. I didn't even plan to go down that rabbit hole, but you, that, that's such a huge get, bro. And it's so beautiful. And I remember when that pilot was hot and it was called Two Broke Bitches. That and, I, and I, you remember that, right? That, that bitches? Yeah, that, that show was called Two Broke Bitches. Not, not our pilot. Yeah. Was that what it was originally called? I probably have that script. You know what's funny is not to be in it just because it was a like, I got a bunch of pilots out here. So you, you, that happens. That doesn't surprise me at all. Two broke bitches. Because they, they want something catchy right away that Mm -hmm. they'll change later. Yeah. I got the last, one of the last versions of the script before they started auditioning people because. Wouldn't it be great if they kept a name? 
I mean, in they 2023. Ju- they, no, but the year before they had shit. My dad says. Yes, I do remember that. I think that was Shatner. Yeah. Yep. And my buddy Jonathan Sadowski was the other was the guy. Wow. And he, by the way, was the third or fourth guy to play that dude. They had like cast somebody and they'd replace. He, I swear, he was like the third or fourth guy. So, you went on your life changed forever. I have to say one thing. A comment. What were you really broke at the time? Somewhat broke or not broke? So I would had done a lot of commercials. I was fortunate enough to have a, okay. a face that sold beer, and um, <laughs> and uh, the 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 issue was though that I I I'm, a year before I had booked this sketch pilot with Jamie Fox. Okay, and um, it was awesome. Like that had already happened. And that his was his like show, a, or he was producing it. He was producing it, and he was in it. What was it called? It was originally called After Party. I remember that. And it had um, Eric Andre, uh, Kyle Dunnigan, Dana DeLorenzo, Erica Ash, uh, Nika Williams, who's Zendaya's mom on Euphoria now. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Rob Stapleton. It had some, I mean, it was, everybody was, f- it was stacked. Stacked, dude. People were fucking talented mm-hmm. on that show. It was really fun. And Afian Crockett mm-hmm. was, so then he was like the main guy. So he it was like his show and then they sort of cast us around him. I think I remember this. Okay. Was it Fox? It was Fox. Yeah, I remember this. And show. it was a really um fun that was in that was as crazy of an audition process as the two broke thing. So I think that that's sort of why the two broke thing, I just like remained positive and just sort of like, this is fun. Like you're just sort of having a good time because the the Jamie, the show, the after party, that audition process took just as long and was like we didn't know anything until we got there because I think that they were still trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. like SNL, Mad TV, that type of stuff, they wanted to see how you were on your feet. Mm-hmm. So even though they were, I mean, like they, Jamie couldn't have been nicer, more helpful, more generous, you know, but like the process of it was sort of like, well, let's figure it out. Like, how would you do this? Because they want to see you, you know, how you are under pressure. Two times so far, you're telling me. The jobs you've gotten, you've gotten with what I call super creative auteurs. You know what I mean? So Jamie and Whitney, you can't ask for two better uh, champions in your yes. corner. I mean, because you just, this is, any job worth my salt that i ever gotten was the same way. Yeah. It was with a creative person. David O. Russell, when I got Three Kings, I read for the role. He's like, yeah, no, it's not the role. And he took script and he goes, take this, go in the toilet. Memorize it and come back in 30 minutes. And then I went in, I did, and he goes, mm, not bad. Try it again and come back in 30 minutes. And I was there for four hours. Wow. And it's a longer story than that, but literally, I went to the toilet and I was using the urinal. He came up next to me and he goes, on the back, he goes, you memorize it yet? <laughs> but that's what it was. And I was there till like eight o'clock at night. Mary Vernu, God bless her. And Warner Brothers a lot and we just stayed and he's like he's like you gotta get this we gotta figure this out and he just worked with me it's people that are that have a great eye for talent I yeah think, and that and understand that that if not that you don't just people some people just show up and they like do the thing but but to see this and he goes it's in there yes and to take the time yes because how many times I've you know I've gone in and they're like go outside and do this this so I was in a commercial audition this was like a hundred years ago, and it was for um, Captain Crunch. And they, <laughs> I think wait did you <laughs> go ahead I think I know what you're gonna say and it me. was it was um the bad guy 
um, that and then I they it, he was like a Frenchman or whatever, and I and then when I get to the callback, they go, um, "Can you do an old woman?" And I was like, "Oh no!" They, my agent goes, "You got a callback for that Captain Crunch commercial," and I go, "Oh yes!" I was like, "Awesome!" Because it was going to be like this whole thing or whatever. And then they were like, "Well, no, you're called back for two parts." And I was like, "Oh, but I only auditioned. For, I think I, I think Captain." The, the the captain is animated, if I'm not mistaken, and she goes, "Oh no, no, there's like an old woman who's a who's a teacher, who's like this English teacher," and I was like, "Okay," and they're like, "They want you to read for that part," so I I got a wig and I got a skirt and some pearls, and I showed up to the callback, and there was all of these everyone, the youngest person there was eighty. <laughs> There were like oh 10 80-year-old women there. Oh my god. And they were they were like they saw me cuz they were doing the old women and the French uh, like I was sort of at the end of the old women and then like the beginning of the French, you know, so they could like have me read for both. You can do both. Yeah. And so they go, but I was the only one and I get there and the women were so sweet. These like old grandmas, they were so nice and they were just like, "What part are you here for?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm reading for the teacher." And they would go, Oh, we're reading for the same part. Are you, are you playing it as a? And I go, I think they're having me play it as like a, as like someone like you or like whatever. And they were like, oh, they were so nice. They're like, we hope you get it. They were <sighs> like, they saw me as like their grand. They were all so nice. What the fuck? It was crazy. <laughs> Dude, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, by right now, you just got canceled for this story. For being an old woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you understand, guys? This is how it was. Talent ruled the day. The fact, a big props to General Mills, because I thought you weren't a Captain Crunch commercial. I thought I saw you as a captain. I don't know if I did. No, I did. Um, pirate or something. Not, um, but did you get the old woman? I didn't get the old but woman. But the fact that they brought him back 10, 12 years ago in an old woman. That's 15 years ago, maybe. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way it was. Okay, there wasn't... It, it, it's called acting. It was just fun. It's called acting. And maybe I'm wrong, but it, it, when I talked to those women because I was last. And so they all went in before me. Yeah. And they were... They were very supportive. I don't think that they were like, this what, guy, guy's taking our parts. What did they say to you at the end again? Oh, oh, I hope you get it. This sweet, I remember this woman, she's, when I told them, I go, oh, no, I'm reading for, for the part. And they all were like, really? <laughs> oh, fuck. It was I like know. a sleepy time tea commercial. I know. I know a couple of those old bags because they used to do my show. There's only, there's like, there's like eight of these 80 and plus, but they're, they work all the time. All the time. I remember all the time. I went in for a job where next door there was a Gordon's Fisherman audition mm -hmm. and it was all the old fishermen. Yeah. They all knew each other. Yeah. It was they were these very good looking character guys in their eighties yeah. with white hair. But who like you could put in front of a piece of fried fish. Yeah. And they look great with They it. look great wet. Yeah. Really wet. Yeah, just soaking, <laughs> sopping old men. Those are the soggies. Yeah. Um, look. So wait, dude, I gotta go back. So, God, dude, this is I because I reason I asked if you were broke, so you weren't exactly. Oh broke. no, no. So so then I had a time off, so I got this Jamie job, but they we were such in flux because we had aired we had aired the pilot. Oh, we shot the pilot by the way, and then they were they didn't um, they let everyone go except myself and Afian, mm. and so that was so then they were like recasting it, and then it became. Um, a different show completely, but it was still like 
it was still sketch based, but it was more in the vein of Chappelle show where he would sort of get up and do stand up mm-hmm. in front of a group of people. And then we'd like see the result or sort of the, mm-hmm. you know, the elaboration of that bit. And, um, and then we, there were some new people that got brought in and, um, it was, I mean, it was awesome, but like, they didn't know what was sort of happening. It, I mean, it, it, it didn't have a, an air date, I want to say. And so I, but right before that, I was like, I have to go back to work. I have no money in the bank. <laughs> I really, I was, I had sort of not burned through the commercial money, but it was like, you know, it. it I was having a, a, a real dip and I was like, I am going to, and I was, no joke, I was planning out when I was going to have to go ask for my job back at like a, a cheesecake? cheesecake or something. Yeah. Wow. It really was like that. And then I got the Jamie thing and it was sort of like, okay, this is cool. And and then the next year I got, I mean, it, it was like literally back-to-back years. And you got two broke. Yeah. Because that's amazing. Because I remember one of my first big Alma jobs yeah. was, a, was a TV movie, Disney Channel. was like starting to get into original movies. Yeah. And they did a remake. I want to say of a Kurt Russell movie because Kurt was like the original poster boy of Disney. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, of course, dude. The computer had tennis shoes. Yes. Come on, dog. The computer wore War tennis, tennis shoes. shoes. War tennis shoes. That's so, dude. Are you in my brain? So the star of it was Kurt Cameron. And Jesus his own. Yeah, and I was like up for like the best friend, like the boner character or whatever, and. I went in, but I started like even more. It was like the associate, the casting, the director, the studio, like four times, right? And it was, I remember I auditioned on a Thursday afternoon. I was living in my friend's garage over by Pico. And it was right after, I want to say it was right after the earthquake. And everything was nuts. And I had fucking no money i had a kidney issue it was a whole long story and they were like kill our job we're gonna let you know and i was literally like what you just said but i was like i was broke they were gonna throw me out like i did it was so i never forget this i hated holidays it was thursday morning and then that afternoon everyone left because it was memorial day and then Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday, which so each day felt like a year because I was like never this close to anything. That's an L.A. thing, though, where it's Huge. like if there's a holiday. Oh, fuck. They'll bro, take it. The first two. They'll take it. The two weeks surrounding Fourth of July. Oh, Jesus. Are gone. Done. How about this? Um, Halloween is now a month. Dude. Jesus Christ. Flag day. I mean. Anything that we can do here. Dude. And, I know. And then I get, my agent calls me at the end of Tuesday, and they're like, they love you, honey, but they're just going another way. And I was like, nah. It was insane. Who did they go with? I don't remember. It was 30 years ago, 29 years ago, and just, luckily after that, I had, MTV saw my tape and I got a meeting and then I was able to get what they call a holding deal. Yeah. Which was like... Big time. Yeah, it was crazy. But I was right where you are and then something dipped in, like you said, like something dipped for you. But what's crazy is, is that, yeah, the the waiting for this shit is insane. Oh, dude. It it ruins you. But the good, see, the good thing for you, like seeing you as a young guy, you had like a face of a Disney guy. Like, you could have done it, right? Like, or MTV. I, I looked like a Merrill Lynch associate. 
like there was a time when I auditioned for a commercial, and there was there was where you'd go downstairs and you'd split like literally a fork in the road, and mm-hmm. one of them was for Target, and and I remember like it was all these guys who were my age. I was probably like twenty four at the time, and everybody was like, you know, what's up, dude? Everyone was just sort of high fiving and sort of like partying without beer like in the hallway mm. and i realized <laughs> i wasn't there for that i turned left and i was with 60 year old men for a merrill lynch audition and so that's what they would put you as i never auditioned i was never the young even when i was the young guy i was yeah. never the young guy like i i know that i look like this now but like even if you were to see me as a younger dude like i always sort of looked this way you had an seriousness about you I don't even think that. I just don't think that because I don't think I'm like that serious of a guy. I mean, I've got no. Like, you're not a serious guy. I mean, you take your craft seriously, but you you don't look old. No, no. But I think it's just that I I don't know if it was I was tall, but all these I just remember all these guys in like spiky blonde hair and like you know short shorts, and then me in like a three piece suit and a power tie, <laughs> who was very serious about banking. <laughs> and like I just remember being like, because they were like, "What are you here for?" They didn't even ask me. Because some of these kids were like, they were, you know, we're all the same age, but but they were just like, they were like, oh, oh, Target. Like, you could just tell by the way you were dressed. Yeah. And I went to go look over there to see who was there, and it was just like, oh, dude, I am not here for that, you know, 1960s uh, surf movie. Yes. I'm here for Wall Street. Yes. And I literally, I, I'll never forget that. Wow. I could see that, though. I yeah. mean, like, not that you're old, but you just have a, you have a distinctive look. Yeah, I do have a distinctive look. Like you could be English, English people, you know. I have, I I do a Are lot you of Jewish or English. It. I uh, Jewish, but my last name uh, is the Kites are English. We changed ours when we mm. came over to Ellis Island because they couldn't right. pronounce it. No, okay. no. Well, that yeah, my so, but it's funny because you get you get typed. Yeah. When you get here, and so that was that was the fun thing about commercials is that you get to do. They would see you for anything. Yeah. Old women, French pirates, whatever. But it's like, it, that was a very cool thing. But like, I, the one thing that I never got seen for, like, even when I was on a Disney show, I was an FBI agent. Totally could see that. Or I was an alien that they like put in all this like crazy. Um, I was on like this Disney show one time and I was an, uh, an ant alien and you couldn't tell it was me because I was in like, a, a, you know, uh, five layers of prosthetics and goo. Really? Yeah. What show? The Sweet Life on Deck. Oh, you're on Sweet Life. Yeah, they did it. So when they were in a boat, there was like a spaceship that a sp- episode. That was a spinoff. Yeah. yeah, the spinoff. And it was like George Takei was there. It was like a Star Trek sort of theme. And thing. you were a wild alien. And I was the bad guy. <laughs> you totally see that. And I came in and I was like, and they were just like, I remember they were just like, be a bug. And I and I was just like, you know, what I don't even remember what I did, but I was like, they were just like, you're like a con or something. And I was like, of course, I'm not like a... I don't know. Like it was just funny. I, if and those shows, I would I would always be like the outlier. Yeah. So I could. Yeah. So I w- I always wanted to because I I grew up wanting to be on Saved by the Bell. You know. Yeah. I just thought that was the, that those kids could go to fake school for a living. I was like, oh my god, it's a it's dream. A, yeah. It's done, dude. Well, I would consider you uh, one of the elite, elite impressionists. Thank you. You feel like that, right? I mean, I think some days, you know, I think it depends on, uh, it, maybe it depends on my mood or how much I've drank the night before. Well, the first time I ever saw the you. voice is gone the next day. Yeah, I, I believe it was the Laugh Factory. 
mm. and I had to follow you. And you get up. That's the first time we ever, yeah. I think it was at Katie's show. Yeah. And I had known you were on Two Broke Girls, and, and, and I didn't really put together. I mean, you played a totally different character, which is amazing, than you are. And then you get up, and you do a Tom Hanks impression, which is, I always say impressions are easy when they're easy to grab onto. Yeah. Okay. It's very hard to do Kevin Costner. Not a lot of, dis- I mean, I love the guy, but the discerning quality, what do you grab onto? Tom Hanks is is not an easy grab onto, in my opinion. It's not an outrageous persona. And then, so you kill. I don't think I ever saw Tom Hanks until you. I don't think I've seen one since. Then you follow it up with a Ryan Reynolds. Again, I don't know anyone that's ever done Ryan Reynolds except you. Again, I love these guys. Ryan Reynolds, you made it distinct. But if I was going to try to do an impression of him, I would do you doing him. Because I feel like it's easier to grab off of you. When somebody cracks the code. Yeah, because it's if someone is one way, I just... Jack Nicholson is much easier than Kevin Costner. And I don't explain why, but you know why. I could tell you. Because um people used to get rewarded for their um their habits like when you listen to jimmy stewart or john wayne or, yes or spencer tracy and then and jack nicholson was and pacino and de niro were sort of the last class yes so you wanted you wanted when you heard pacino you wanted to like know that it was al pacino you wanted to see that you know you wanted to you and obviously his acting was unbelievable but you mm-hmm. wanted to you wanted to see people went to go see al pacino in these films, and Jack Nicholson. Heightened versions of themselves, of their caricature, that they became their caricature? Well, that, I Is would that say if you if you don't die the hero, you live long enough to become the villain. So, like, anybody now that's been, I mean, the career of, like, 50 years, 60 years, you know, even Christopher Walken, you hear him back in, like, Deer Hunter, he's... he's not normal. I mean, normal is such a ridiculous word, but he's not the way he is now because he's heard people do him so much in his life, and he is aware that there's sort of a jump about the way that he talks, even now when he's just sort of having a conversation. How are you? Good. But it's like... <laughs> Let me explain. I, I've stopped you. I'm sorry. I hate that I stopped you. No, no. Let me tell you, the first person that was ever known for doing walking was Jay Moore. Yeah, yeah. And Jay killed it. And then I worked with another guy, Spencer Garrett, who is a, I don't know if he's in Chicago, also did a killer walk-in. But Spencer, I believe, I don't know if you're allowed to say this now, taught Kevin Spacey how to do Kevin Spacey, I know we can't talk about him, is a, an incredible impressionist. He is. And because he's an actor, just like you. Like, if you're a good actor, you can do these things. He did an impression of not a pedophile for so long. Hey, <laughs> really? Did you believe it though? Well, he can—he's there was like I don't a know cre- he, there was a real creep. I don't think I, he committed to that impression. You could sort of you see could see the, the eyes. There's something, yeah, back there. So, but yeah. the fact that you just did that is good. As that was as better as anyone. Oh, thank. I mean, you know what it is? It's also like how you learn him. Like Jay did him in such a specific time, like in the '90s. Yeah, when he and and sort of. You, like when you do them so well, are you known for them? It's like, does it really evolve? It's like you sort of do your version. And Jay's as talented as anybody, 
but I feel like he got known for doing that walk-in. Yeah, that was so. A couple questions, and then he did a movie with Walken, which was again I did ten callbacks for another role. Suicide Kings, right? Yes, great movie. I was fuck Johnny Galecki. He did it. I was. Was that the part you were? Oh, I read for that like five times. Yeah, but it was like the whole yeah, and it was a whole which he was awesome in it. But the whole thing of like. Jay was doing walking and knew him for walking and doing walking with him. It was crazy. But like Jay Farrow, you, Frank, amazing, Melissa, amazing. So, I mean, there's different. I could talk to you this for about two hours. I'm going to try to like be really specific. When did you start doing them? And do you do, do you do 30? No, I mean, I could do, I could probably do, like... I've heard you do 12 off the cuff brilliantly. Oh, thanks, man. Um, So I could probably do, like, 150 to 200. I had to count one time. Only that, The only reason I know that is because I'm a fucking narcissist. No, because when I auditioned for Family Guy, they had me list everybody that I could do when I submitted. And they were just, like, you know, in case they, like, needed the impression. Did you ever work on it? I played Alec Baldwin on the... Uh, on the Emmys episode where they where um they like try to get an Emmy and then Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey are like, you'll never get the Emmy because you suck or whatever, you know? It was like, it was it was great. I can't remember how many years ago that was, maybe like eight years ago or something. Just one app? Yeah, just one app is Alec Baldwin. I got close a few other times. I mean, here's the thing. Seth MacFarlane is so talented and he does so he many does impressions. He does so many voices, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, he's it's his show. He's there and so good already. Um, unless there's like one that he can't do, and they have brilliant impressionists that work on the show, like Josh Robert Thompson, and mm-hmm. you know some of these other guys and girls. So it's like, you know, they sort of have their people already. One hundred and fifty, something like that. And um, but I didn't clean. Yeah, clean. Yeah, try. I like to, like your Tom Hanks level. I try to not say that I can. I, there's there's ones that I'm working on. Like I definitely have a document on my computer of like stuff that I'm working on. And um, how hard do you work on them? Because I definitely know this comes easy to you, but I also know you work on them. It you know some of them come easier than others. And definitely, it, if I have a if I have a joke for it, it's easier because you do it with intention instead of just like learning it in a void. You know, I think that that's why some of them are harder for me. Like, when I started learning, I'm trying to think of even the bit. Like, when I did my Mark Wahlberg, I did him, like, why is Mark Wahlberg always out of breath? That was, like, a joke that I wrote. And so I could do that sort of because with intention. Whereas, like, I tried to learn Brad Pitt without a joke, and it was just like, man. Now, that's, that's an example. That would be a whale. Yeah, that's a white whale. That's what I'm trying. Can like, you right do now. Brad Pitt? Not you don't really. have to. No, no, that's no, a I, hard one. Again, because of what I said earlier, you agree? Yes, it's. What's the discerning quality? But when you hear, every now and then he'll do something that you sort of, there's like a like I'll I'll grasp onto something. Yeah, he'll have like a there's a there, he he has a very tight jaw, so I'll start there. And I'll just listen to him over and over and over again. So it's not there, but there's something. Are you it's obs- a kernel? You're obsessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super yeah, yeah. obsessive. I have OCD and. But but do you do you so you see someone you like and then do you just start working on them? Do you because we all have to grab a line. Yeah. You grab a line off of what they can do. Yeah. So, and do you work on it? I mean, do you do the mirror and all that shit or no? 
I don't like the mirror. I don't watch the stuff that I'm in. Um, I'll, I don't like to look at my stand-up. I'll listen back to myself for mm-hmm. notes and stuff, but I just don't. That's not something that I enjoy mm-hmm. about myself. So what I try to do is I just try to feel it and try it out on stage a, a bunch of different ways and to see what the audience, because the audience, when you get something like the Tom Hanks or whatever, mm-hmm. when I get that, the audience is like, that's it. Yeah. Dude, it's insane. 